Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of All Things Suck. And slightly different to my usual format, I'm recording this bit separate to everything else. I want to say that today's chat I have is with someone who... Well, I'm going to go into it when we have the chat, but this is more an interview and discussion, really, with a guy who basically helped me a lot, especially when I was in college. He was one of my tutors, and it is the a lovely Karim, who I am going to go off now onto the chat, and yeah, it's going to be that seamless. You're not even going to know the difference, although you might tell that the recording was a little bit more more different and I had had coffee at this time whereas this recording is around about half 11 at night so I'm a little bit more tired but anyway you know that's that's the wonder of audio you can put down and say however you want and you know got night to put in a little bit of comedy I like to talk about things that are going on and like to keep people in the loop and as I can tell I'm still doing this link but anyway I'm going to go straight on to the fantastic recording hope you enjoy and here is my chat with Karim. That's good. You've kind of, uh, uh, well, continued with radio. Yeah. I mean, um, that's a very, very good, uh, um, uh, you know, it's, it's a hobby now, maybe work for you. So it's good. And with podcasting now, it, there's so many opportunities. Um, when did you start this podcast? This one, this one I started about three months ago. And the, the way it was, Karim, is that I've been doing a... I've been um, assisting on a, another podcast for a good few years now. And I kind of wanted to get my own one up and running. And had a few ideas and they kind of fizzled out after a little while. And then uh, officially... I just got the idea of, do you know what? I like moaning about things, and I thought, why not put that into a podcast? And the amount of people that go, yeah, we want to do that as well, it's mm. been really fun. <laughs> it's just nice to have a, a great lot of people that want to come in and go, yeah, yeah, let's moan about some stuff too. And <laughs> yeah, it's worked out really good so far. Okay. So, um, you know, um, are you still, uh, do you still live in Essex? Yeah. Um, yeah, okay, that's that's cool. I still live in the same place. Um, you know, I live in Broxburn in Hertfordshire, so yeah. it's been. I've I've lived there for nearly twenty years. Hmm. Um, uh, when I was teaching at Palmer's, I was you know it's the same address since I bought my flat, so I'm here <laughs> with my girlfriend. Um, you know, um, both drink. Um, we both of us are in media. She works for Channel Four. Um, for me, uh, I still teach, but part-time. I decided to go part-time because, uh, um, you know, those days when I was at Palmer's, I was working full-time. And then during my holidays, I would work as a freelance for BBC. Okay? Yes. And I kept going like that, but it wasn't easy. You know, when you're working as a, you know, a lecturer full-time, um, there's a lot of effort, there's a lot of work that you do then put on top your media work. But well, for me, my media work was during the days or the times when I'm, you know, during my holidays, okay? So for example, Easter, Easter break, when I get those two weeks, I travel to Africa. Uh, during my summer break, I get about one month and a half. Um, I shoot off to Africa and do some packages for BBC for Africa. So I was doing some, you know, things like that. But uh, at some point, I said, at some point, 
uh, after I've raised some money, uh, I'm going to, um, you know, go into um, those days I was doing a lot of radio work. OK, most of the stuff was for radio, but I was really keen going into um, television uh, packages, video. So I said at some point I'm going to pack it, pack in, not 100 percent pack in in terms of teaching. Um, I'm, you know, having raised some some money, I'm going to buy some, uh, you know, equipment, cameras, and uh, all the stuff that I need uh, to do television stuff. So when I get to that uh, that stuff built built up, um, I'm going to carry on teaching one or two days, and then spend the other three days developing my production company. But guess what? Because I quit teaching one uh, two years ago. As soon as I quit, went starting my production six months, then COVID struck and everything just, you know, uh, hung up. Everything was just put <laughs> shelved. Mm. So it, it has been like this now for one, for, for one year and a half. But thankfully, um, I'm teaching part time, but I'm just, I'm just waiting now until things say, get better with COVID. They, then I'm going to hit off. And I think probably uh, it's not going to happen until next year um, because my uh, the assignments that I had planned to go to Kenya, Rwanda, Tanzania to do last year before COVID struck, everything was put on hold. So I'm waiting until next year to resume. So yeah, things have been good, I must say, hmm. despite. Yeah, despite the, the whole world going to pop, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, what can we do? Um, things, uh, you know, things gonna looks like uh, um, Boris is getting his uh, his hang on things. Is uh, making the effort, you know. People getting vaccines, you know, um, tests. Now, for us as teachers and all students, what happens now is that we have, you know, we've got these, uh, you know testing kits that we are given to take home. So we have to do tests twice a week. So I do mine every Sunday and Wednesday. And it's been successful. So students who test positive, they don't come into college, okay? Teachers who test positive, they don't come into college. So to a way, it has minimized quite a lot, it has done quite, um, you know, um, you know, put, you know, people who are testing positive, they're not coming in college. So it's good, it's good. So I think it's, it's a good effort that the um, that the government did this, and uh, uh, vaccines also, you know, uh, being rolled out. Um, I think how many millions uh, people so far have got their first doses? Yeah, it's about thirty-two million that have had the first, and then I think it's about seven million that have had their second. Second now, dose. So, so something is uh, is working. Something is working, and uh, <laughs> you know, um, why you know we are striving, making things better. Our neighbors, the Europeans, they all cocked up things. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, my God, maybe this was, a, um, you know, um, it's good that we left the EU. We started doing better. <laughs> Do you know what, Karim? I was going to give you a really big start and give you a nice entry. But Joe, I'm going to have to keep all that in, I think. So that, that, I think, is actually quite a quite a nice introduction for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. What were you gonna say? <laughs> but so anyway, as as we are going into 
this episode of All Things Suck, I need mm. to let people know that Karim basically is one of the forces that helped me become this person in a way. I've been able to hone my craft in terms of what I can do in recorded medium, especially in the radio industry, and podcasting obviously being a natural progression of that. So when I when I said to Karim, yeah, um, I want you to be on the podcast and it was just like I've I've got to, I've got to go with one of my influences you know I've got to have someone who gave me the inspiration and the techniques that helped me you know well at least helped me get to this point anyway but with Karim you know this is a guy who you know it, you when you listed off your you know what you've done before you know all these um, all this freelance journalism you've been obviously going around the world and doing your um, like obviously perfecting your craft and you know and you've just mentioned in the last year covid has been a a big impact and let's be honest i think the majority of my podcast so far has been covid based for some reason but when mm-hmm. you think about the obviously what's happened in the last year i mean what was your what was your biggest plan that kind that just obviously got scrapped when covid hit yeah, it was my production company, as I mentioned before, mm. because I, I said, okay, I'm going to quit teaching full time. I've saved some money. I've, uh, I've bought all these equipment. Um, you know, I've bought some broadcast cameras, you know, um, kitted up my stuff. And I said, okay, um, 2019, uh, August, that's my last year of uh, um, my last month of teaching full time, because in September, uh, I'm going to start, um, you know, building up my contacts in the Africa, uh, line up the, um, the, you know, the stuff that I was going to do. And of course, for me, the stuff that uh, I'm interested in, you know, in terms of uh, media production is making documentaries and news packages, okay, about African issues. And uh, because I had uh, uh, some very, very good con- contacts, I had built up some very, very good contacts in Africa on the ground. So I would, um, you know, come up with the, uh, an issue, um, ask the guys in Africa on the ground. These are guys who work locally as journalists and broadcasters in local radio stations and television and also newspapers. So I'd say, okay, um, I would like to make a, a, uh, a documentary about a, um, uh, for, uh, one of the uh, one of the documentaries that I had lined up is to um, make a documentary about the albino people in Tanzania. Okay, um, because uh, you won't believe this, uh, Jonjo. Um, you know, um, those, you understand when I talk when I say albino people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, and uh, um, you know they're being killed in Tanzania because they think that if you own a piece of body, uh, you, you know, um, of an albino person. You know, it's friends of some, uh, um, you know, evil spirits. It's, it makes you become, you know, you become rich. So albino people being master, you know, killed because, um, you know, you know, people thought people think that their body parts um, is some kind of is, is some kind of witchcraft stuff. Oh, Jesus. So it's yeah. So it's something that I wanted to explore and uh, make a documentary. So as some guys, uh, uh, my runners on the ground to get some people to interview some ministers and those all those families have been affected. 
and has all been lined up, uh, hoping that I'm gonna go in a um, in Tanzania uh, from July 2020. Okay, mm. uh, so I was working on that stuff, and then from there I also wanted to go to, to shoot to uh, go to Rwanda as well. So those are the, I had two um, ideas, uh, you know, to do, uh, and everything just scrapped from March. Okay. Uh, March 2020, um, and I thought, oh, maybe this is gonna, uh, it's just temporary for a short time, but it, it carried on, it carried on up to now. Um, so all those things were scrapped, put on hold, um, but it's things that I'm gonna, uh, I've already started reviving because at the moment, um, you know, th things are looking slightly better. Um, and again, in these African countries where, where I was planning to go, uh, you know, countries in East and Central Africa, um, COVID is, hasn't hit them too much, okay? Uh, Tanzania, it has, okay? But uh, uh, Kenya, it also is starting to hit. But we won't believe in countries like Uganda, they've had about 250 people dead because of COVID. Can you believe that? Yeah. And countries like Rwanda, where I was going, less than that. Um, I don't know how, they've, how, how effective they have been, but the, I think the good thing that they did, as soon as the whole world, um, it, 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 it was all to do with travel, okay? I mean, uh, most of these African countries, they don't get tourists as much as we do, okay? So they were able to shut down their borders um, as soon as, uh, you know, became, you know, known that, oh, you know what, um, you know, tourists were spreading, you know, the virus. So these African countries are able to shut down their borders quickly. And that's how they managed to minimize uh, COVID. But guess what? If, um, if uh, this African, if this thing actually, you know, hit African countries as it has hit European countries or the rest of the world, like in the United States, uh, it will be devastating. It will be devastating. Yeah. I, I think, you know, that is something we have seen. The the impact in some countries where COVID has been, you know, well, we just look at in the UK where we are, you know, we're, we're at a death toll of over 130,000 people that have died from this mm. horrible virus. You know, we're looking yeah. at figures in Brazil where at the moment they're saying 4,000 deaths a day. That's, Absolutely. that's horrific when you think of them, them numbers. And, you know, when when we look at saying that things are feel like they're slowly kind of coming back, we, we're slowly kind of getting control of where we were. The vaccines are having their, their effect by the looks of it. We are hopefully, at the time of this recording, we are about to move into the next step in the lockdown easing, which, fingers crossed can mean that we, you know, we can have a, a little bit of freedom, we can actually go out and, uh, you know, for me, it's just going to be the idea of just going to get a haircut, that is just how, how you know, I'm just so desperate now just to get a trim, because it's this is like four months worth, I now, if I now lean forward, my hair goes in my eyes, and that's, you know, it's, 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 not, it's not a good look, I kind of, and it feels like I now have to do that odd little hair flick, I have to like roll me head back just to just keep the hair out of my eye. So um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I yeah. kind of feel like I'm in a shampoo advert every time I do that now. But, you know, that's a, <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> you know, I always keep my afro. You know, going to the salon, I cut my my girlfriend cuts my hair. <laughs> You've done a good job with it, then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't I, I don't visit hair salons at all. You know, my girlfriend cuts my hair. Uh, and, you know, I keep big afro, so it's quite easy. It's a matter of trimming. I can even trip myself. I always trim myself, you know. Uh, and, yeah, yeah, talking about, uh, um, uh, you know, easing out of, uh, um, out of this, uh, you, you know, uh, lockdown. Yeah, uh, I mean, starting tomorrow, um, as you mentioned, uh, you know, non-essential retail, you know, starting to open up. And also restaurants and pubs, or you know, uh, outdoor, which is good. And then I think uh, is it step three? What do they call it? The yeah, government. Step, what does it call? step three, three is then on the seventeenth. From the seventeenth of May. Of May. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm also looking forward to um, to that time because um, I have um, some productions. I'm doing uh, um, I'm doing two interviews. I'm interviewing Professor Tim Crook. He's the president of the Chartered Institute of Journalists. And uh, he's given me a date um, after the 17th of uh, May uh, to interview him. Um, I'm basically going to explore how the Chartered Institute of Journalists has been protecting journalists around the whole world. They've been campaigning quite a lot. You know, journalists around the world, you know, in this, in some of these, especially third world countries like Malaysia, China, and Africa, they, they, you know, you get these journalists being murdered, being killed, being put into prison. So this, uh, um, this uh, um, Chartered Institute of Journalists is it's a UK based organ organization um, that has been a, um, there for over 100 years. They um, they help support uh, um, you know uh, do campaigns on behalf of these people who are being um, harassed uh, you know Jonas being harassed to get them out of prison um, it's it's a massive good 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 campaign that they do so um, I was lucky enough that uh, uh, the president of this uh, institute Professor Tim Crook gave me a date. So I'm looking forward to the, um, you know, that uh, that date, 17th of May, because uh, um, it allows a, um, at least a, uh, even now I think two to six people to meet inside indoor. Are we allowed at the moment two to six? I think. No, I think it's it's up until the 17th of May. I think it's uh, up to six people, but it's in a, in an open yeah. space, like in the in a garden. And it's yeah. from 17th of May is when you can meet indoors. Indoors, yes. Yeah. So um, that's a special date for me because, uh, um, uh, you know, um, as I said, um, you know, I, I, I was I lined up that interview, and because I have a crew, um, you know, I, I must actually use my students, you know, Jonjo. You know, I thought, you know what? Uh, because uh, most of my students want work experience. So instead of, it's not easy to get this work experience. You know, you can try, you can, you know, you, yeah. people do get them. So for me, I thought, mm, you know, the college where I'm teaching, I can give my students work experience. So, you know, uh, to come with me on these expeditions um, when I'm doing my, uh, you know, um, freelance work, they come to join me, you know, show, you know, operate cameras, operate sound, how to direct, 
um, also, um, you know, editing, I prefer to edit my, the stuff myself. But of course, um, if the students would like to, uh, to explore uh, in terms of editing, they would be quite happy to, um, to join me. So yeah, those are the things that uh, um, I've uh, uh, kind of lined up been working on for the last couple of weeks and uh, um, it's going to carry on until you know things comes to normal are we going to come back to normal maybe let's call it a new normal i think <laughs> mm. oh, I, I i look it in the um in the four act film structure we're mm. going to enter a new equilibrium i think once we uh once we uh you know once we're now not because we, we're not going to be covid free we're going to be um immunized as a herd so yeah. it's, it is going to be a different, a different world, but it's just the hope that we can actually make it in some way similar to the world that we did have. Absolutely, and uh, you know, as you've mentioned, you know, it's the new normal, okay? Because it's things are not going to go back as it was. And guess what? In this guys, there there've been some good new developments that I think we're going to carry forward. For example, you know, um, you know, um, you know, teaching remotely. Okay, I mean, for for example, John uh, Joe, if you if you go back nowadays, uh, when you you were a student, one of my students, you know, we're teaching media, but guess what? Fifty percent of the stuff that we're teaching uh, were theory based, and then the fifty is practical. Now, do we need to go to college every day? I don't think so. We don't need to do that. I mean, if you're teaching, you know, for example, media law, okay? If you're going to be, um, you know, uh, whether you're going to be a radio person, a practitioner, or um, a video person or a film person, uh, you need to understand some media law, you know, copyright, understanding the um, ethics of how to operate in, a, um, in the radio industry or how to operate as a journalist. So do you need to go to college to learn that? I don't think you don't, you need to do that. So these are the stuff that you can actually uh, teach from home remotely. Students stay in their homes. And guess what, you know, uh, something that I liked, John Joe, is, uh, um, is the attendance. You know, teaching remotely, uh, or, uh, you know, I often get 100% attendance. <laughs> because, because, Are you trying you to know, say that you never had that with our class, Karim? Yeah? <laughs> 100% attendance? I think most of them, no, the attendance was always good, I must say, really, uh, in the classes that I had with you guys. the um, I don't know. The um, it was a good vibe of students, I must admit. I think the students when, were awesome. I, it's, it's weird when you think about our time scale of when, when obviously I was in college, because that was between 2005 and 2007. In yeah. some ways, it doesn't seem like a long time ago. But if you look at the no, technology that was in place, you know, we had, you know, the, the, the higher up technologies we had at that time was we had the introduction of the, of the smartphone, of the iPhone, around mm. 2006 2007 so that was like one of the first leaps we had yeah, the yeah. we had the um obviously the electric um the electronic um whiteboard so obviously you were able to draw on that but you could also have your computer on it you can manipulate your computer from that magic yeah. whiteboard so these yeah, were these yeah. were the leaps in technology that we had and also you know very standard we also had our uh, had our studio setups when we were doing recordings when we were doing 
like audio based work and yeah we had we had some yeah that that uh, um that doesn't change well really yeah change too much yeah i mean the you know the radio studio that we had there it was all manual you know Mm. um you you know but guess what you know um we're producing some good stuff and they by the way do you uh for me 20 2000 uh, um uh 2007 uh, August was a um, was my last no 2008 August was my last month there. Uh, I think after you guys, when you guys left, uh, I continued up to up to August 2008 and left. But that year, uh, you know, we won the UK World uh, Radio Documentary Championship. Uh, me and they. Uh, you know, in those days, we had the A-level students, and then we had the B-tech students. You remember? Yes. But uh, so my A-level students were doing radio with me. We actually won the UK World uh, Best Radio Documentary uh, stuff. It was good. It's wonderful. How to crown night. It was wonderful. Absolutely fantastic. So we had some really, really, really wonderful students there. Really, really keen and good vibe. So, yeah, it was um, it was brilliant. It was great. <laughs> good, good memories. Joe, you know what we've got? I've got a, I've got to ask. Even though we've spoke about the um, obviously the plans that have been scuppered over the past year, everything that's been like you know thrown to the wayside or has been delayed for an indefinite amount of time. But I'm going to ask now. You have had a, a big career a long career in journalism and I, I'm, I'm just going to say it. I, I want to know when has been a time in your journalistic career where you basically just said, this is not worth my time or something that was something that was just painful to get through. Uh, no, nothing, nothing like that. Oh, that's very diplomatic. I, I'm sure there is, but you're too nice to say it. You're like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not getting uh, myself in trouble. John, <laughs> John I'm going to be straightforward with you. Okay. Go on. Yes. Like any other work, you're going to come across things that don't work, but if you love what you do, okay. Mm. Something comes up you say, okay, I'm going to try it another way. And that's the way to move forward. So for me, uh, I must tell you that, you know, uh, don't forget, I think uh, the times that I was with you, most of my life, most of my my time was a teach, teaching. But I was teaching what I love to do, journalism. Yeah. Okay? So, so two worlds, teaching and the media, these are the stuff that I love to do and I enjoy doing. So, uh, you know, back to your question, in terms of journalism, okay, there are times when I come up with things that were difficult to do, but I work my way around it because I enjoyed doing it. In the world of teaching, it is the same thing. Not everything was straightforward. You know, you come across some, uh, some days where you, you know, especially, you, you know, um, things are not working, i.e. 
um, students are not handing in their work and you need to assist the work, you need to move on, and things are moving slow. Um, but how do you move around? You know, you're going to have to maneuver how you speak to your students so that they actually do the work and they um, uh, uh, and move on with your life. Uh, but uh, um, so to put it in a nutshell, is you understanding how do you maneuver around to move forward in everything that you're going to do, there's going to be a point where you come across some difficulties, but understanding how to navigate around it and moving forward. So I'm going to stick to my ground. Yes, there's been, a, a, you know, um, like any other work, like anything else that we do in life, they're always difficult, but find your way around it and move forward. So for me, teaching and journalism are things that I love so much. Okay. I enjoy doing it. I love it. I feel the thrill of it. Absolutely. So yeah, that's me, John Joe. And okay, so you when I when obviously we used to speak about the work that you've done and you saying about working with us. Uh, I mean, one of my favorite parts when, when you, I think you presented us with some of your work from the BBC world service and, you know, BBC, one of the biggest corporations in the whole world. I, I'm going to ask when it comes to doing your, your own work that you're doing at the moment. And when you're doing the items such as like with BBC, is your planning procedure any different in either of them situations, or do you still feel that you can be yourself a hundred percent, whatever the project is? Um, it depends on the project. Okay. And every project is going to have uh, different ways, how you're going to tackle it. And depending on uh, uh, what project you undertake it. Okay. And for me, uh, if I stick to my, uh, my interest you know, in terms of media production, uh, my interest is radio production. Uh, uh, so when I talk about radio, doing, uh, you know, current affairs packages, okay? Um, those are the stuff that I was interested in doing when I was working for the BBC. So, um, and the program that I was working for is still, running up today. It's Network Africa, that's one of the programs, and Focus on Africa. Those are the two programs that have been running. Uh, they've been there for a long, long time. And now with the new technology, those two programs actually are no longer just radio. It's now on television world. So if you were presenting for radio, your program would go straight, you'd be making that program for, te you know, for, um, for television as well. Okay, so um, yeah, so um, you know, um, so working on such projects wouldn't involve would involve a couple of things. For example, you know, getting someone to interview. Um, uh, again, uh, I'll, I'll do arrange uh, the people to interview. I.e., you must have contacts. Okay, for any journalist to succeed you must create a contact book, understanding the, you know, the newsmakers, um, understanding uh, the people who can speak 
on, on issues. For example, um, if um, I would like to explore uh, uh, an issue about a, um, uh, how, how, you know, uh, why Africa is, uh, you know, in, in a country like Rwanda, I'll give you an example, a country like Rwanda, what have they done so that actually they haven't been affected by COVID so much? What did they do? So I would be able to say, okay, who are the people I would like to interview about this uh, issue? I would say perhaps maybe I would interview the president, okay? But but hey, there may be a minister who is uh, involved with the health. So I would be able to um, uh, to connect up with some people, okay? Uh, on the ground in, in Rwanda so that they give me the contact, the contact, the minister on, on my behalf that we have a guy, Kareem, is you know, um, is based in London, uh, but he would like to do a news package about this issue. It's going to go on focus on Africa uh, at this particular time. He would like to interview you. Then the minister says yes. Um, then I, I would call up the minister to, to say thank you for uh, for uh, you know uh, for accepting to be part in the in the program, uh, and the, the program either is going to be live or it's going to be recorded and then I'm going to edit and it's going to go on air on a particular day. So um, those are the things that I would normally do. And there, uh, again, there may be some hassles. Maybe the minister uh, might say, I, I'm sorry, I don't have uh, time now, but uh, I'll give you a date on a particular day. So. Uh, every project depends on, uh, it has a different uh, factors, um, you know, uh, that may be, uh, that might affect it. Uh, and that's how I work. That's how we work. Um, sometimes, you you know, you do want to interview somebody and they say, no, I'm sorry, I can't. And then you have to move on to something else. These are things that you, um, as a journalist, you should expect um, them to happen. Yes, the amount of no's that do come up is uh, even even when I used to do the radio interviews for every, I think I worked out for every 20 no's that I got, you had that one that went, yeah, yeah, we'll do that, that's fine. And then, um, yeah, and then as time went on, you kind of, I kind of found it going from being every 20 that said no to being every 10 and then every 5, uh, you know, things obviously did pick up. And yeah. I think it's, I think it's the idea of, uh, of having the um, perseverance to carry on to make sure, you know, you don't let a no get you down. You look at ways of, like you say, you look at ways of going around it. So, you know, you yeah. might not get this one person that you want wanted to speak to, but maybe yeah. you could go to this other person. They might give you just the same or maybe even more than what you were initially yeah. anticipating. So, yeah. And I, I yeah. think I, I found that as well very helpful when... I think it was from one of your classes when you said about research. Look at, obviously, the research in terms of who you're going to talk to. And Absolutely. I would, yeah, I would, I would spend hours looking for all these different contact information for, because obviously a lot of the people I was interviewing was musicians. So I'd look at their management. I'd see mm. like on their, on their social media sites, have they got an email address on that? Yeah, you contacted them, yeah. And maybe even yeah. on their social media, maybe they have a, maybe they have a messenger, or maybe they have a a direct contact through 
um, Absolutely. Twitter or Facebook, Absolutely. and it was just like, yeah, that 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 worked. And yeah. what was nice as well was that you could get some people that were very, very good, very open, and very talkative. And then then I found that some that were they they would give you a one word answer, and then they'd be like, "Yep, that's it." And you'd be like, "Okay." But I always learned to work with what was there, even if someone was giving me a life story, or if they were literally giving me a short, sharp response. I treated everyone equally. I treated everyone fairly. I gave everyone the same opportunity. And I always felt that that was that was what worked. It was being able to keep a keep a, a reasonable amount of flexibility amongst the people that you speak to. So if someone opens up, then you can probably open up a bit more. If someone's a bit more closed off, you kind of take it on a different approach. You try to see if you can maybe get them to warm up a bit. But I always found that every person I interviewed was a was a learning experience. And you know, I'm. It, I mean, it might be me going out on the limb, but after all the years that you've obviously done interviews that you've spoke to people, would you still say that even now, if you were to say interview someone tomorrow, would you still see that as maybe a learning experience and something that may Absolutely. still help you? Go Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And every, for every true professional media professional or media practitioner, we are learning every day. Okay. You can't say, okay, I've, I think I've, I've become a real, real professional in this. I've learned. No, each time you have, you're going to interview somebody, you're going to learn something new. I'll, I'll tell you something else, uh, John Joe. You know, um, I've talked about my work for the BBC World Service. That was freelance, okay? But also... Um, I used, I was a producer for, um, you know, Spectrum Radio 558 AM. Now, as a producer, I was producing a program called uh, Talking Africa. It's a radio station based in, a, um, based in South London and broadcasting on 558 AM, even up today still broadcasting, okay? And I had a program every Saturday from 12 to 1 o'clock. It's, it's called Talking Africa. Africa. It was a current affairs program. And the nature of the program was, um, you know, we would uh, um, cover issues affecting Africans who live in the United Kingdom. You know, for example, knife crime, um, you know, uh, gangs, uh, African uh, involved uh, people from uh, African descent. Okay. Anything to do with Africa. So I would do, um, I had a team of uh, um, a, a, a team of five people working as a producer, and we were based at a, uh, the African Center in a uh, in Covent Garden. That's where the uh, Africa Center is. It was a program that was sponsored by the African Center. And uh, uh, so they got me as a producer producing it. It was coming out every week once for one hour, okay? And it was all paid, okay? Uh, I, was, I was paid as a producer, right? I had two researchers and a sound engineer and, uh, um, um, uh, and then a, a, a presenter. But if my presenter doesn't turn up, guess what who presents? I had to present as a producer, okay? So the way how the program worked, okay? As a producer, I would come up with the, a topic that we're gonna cover next week. And I tell my researchers, two of them, very, very good. 
Um, this is the topic we're going to explore. Let's, let's, you know, we'll come up with the, uh, uh, an issue like a uh, female circumcision, you know, because there are some African societies where uh, female are uh, circumcised. I think you've heard about that, have you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, which is a very, very, um, uh, you know, very, very, very backward uh, practice. So we'd come up with the uh, an issue like that to explore. And we would do invite people. My researchers, um, one of the job for my researchers, they have to sit down and uh, explore one to find out who are the best people that Karim is going to have to interview on his program. So they would think about the people, people who have, who have, who have been victims, ministers from the UK government talking about it. So they will go to that extent of uh, um, uh, getting these people and say, look, this is a live program. You can either do on the phone. Okay. It's not pre-recorded. It's live. We're doing a live show from 12 to 1. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then uh, some of them, if they say, okay, I can come into the studio. And then my researchers and the, uh, they would uh, arrange a taxi to go a taxi to go and pick these people up to bring into uh, into the studio so they would normally come into the studio at about half past 11 and for me because my program starts at 12 i'll be at the station about 10 o'clock because apart from the um from uh, the discussion the current affairs i had to also write the news we had a uh, a two-minute uh, news uh, um uh, news item to you know just before we start the discussion so i would write the news first okay but guess what sometimes the interview interviewees they would say yeah i'm gonna come i'm gonna come no don't worry um uh, there's no need for you to get me on online and don't send a taxi i'll just i'm gonna drive okay mm. and guess what uh, these people uh, they had all with the good intentions to take part in the program and it comes to about 12 o'clock, they haven't shown up, okay? So what do you do, uh, you as a producer? You know, you, you say, okay, uh, uh, and you've already lined up, so you should have a plan B. So all journalists, we, have, we are trained to have a plan B. In case this person doesn't turn up, what do you do, okay? And I would have filled in the gaps there and run the show. Even if, 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 if they come in late, you know, I say, you, you know, I would maneuver my script around um, and, you know, incorporate them that, you know, if they've turned up. And sometimes, guess what? Because some of the participants in that, our show were actually from the United Nations in New York, in Africa, presidents from Africa. This is the, this was the nature of that kind of program. And sometimes because of the um, poor communications, we try to call up these people and the line doesn't work, okay? So you have to line up a plan B. In case we're calling the president to interview this president in Uganda, what if the line doesn't link? What should we do there, okay? So I would make sure I have a plan B. So yeah, there's always uh, these things, you, you, you know, you come across these issues as a broadcaster, as a journalist, and they, they don't stop. I'm going to have them again tomorrow if I'm going to have to do the interview. So it's something that you have to learn 
okay and you keep on going on and keep going on you you can never never say it will not happen you know you've learned it this today um uh, you know it will not happen again it's going to happen but because you've experienced it before uh, you're going to you're going to improve as you go so that there's less hassle basically that's how we work joe karim i'm i'm going to go on a completely Different tangent now, and um, yeah, you know, I, I I do do that quite often. You have obviously had a lot of your work, you know, presented, you know, on these shows, um, and I'm sure in the age of current media, you do know that there is a lot of people who do like to voice their opinion on said shows, and I'm I've got to ask if you have anything that goes out like on radio, or if you have anything that's done on a video production. And it's, it's out there in a public space where people can comment on it. Have you ever looked at your, basically your commenters to see, you know, what they've said about you and your work? Absolutely. And let me tell you, this is about, a, um, you know, uh, you know um, it's about your personal development. Okay. So I'm talking about feedback and uh, evaluating your work for every media person and i really stress this to my students who do media media production i tell them look two things here being you must be able okay be able to review evaluate your work that's the first thing you always to do as somebody who's working the media one you must be, I'm going to repeat this again, you must be able to review and evaluate your, your work. And then after that, okay, deal with the feedback that you get from your listeners or people who watch your program. Okay? So three things there, very, very important for anyone who wants to really, really be successful in the media. The ability for you to say, okay, I've done this show. And then I tell you what, John, the BBC does this all the time. I used to do it when I was uh, working on, at Spectrum Radio. That, that's program I was talking about every Saturday. At the end of that, uh, that one hour, I would sit down with my team. And we review what went well and what did not go well. Okay? We have every every media person they do that okay every the bbc itv you mention it you have to do it especially live programs now my program um on a spectrum radio was live for an hour immediately we finish we, as a team we would go straight away and have one hour discussion what went well and what and they uh, um would take the minutes and we you must be very very critical Never, never hide. Never, never, um, you know, um, hide away from the truth. Thinking that if you're gonna, um, if you're gonna talk about something that went wrong, it's gonna lower your standard or it's gonna put you in the bad light. No, that is wrong. You, as a media person, if you produce your work, you must be able to identify what went wrong. Be critical. Because if you are not able to identify what went wrong, you will never develop. So I tell my students, journalism, video, radio students, okay, even film students, 
that each time you do a production, you must have the ability to identify went wrong. If sound did not go well, and I can look at your sound and you not telling me, you haven't, in your evaluation, you haven't mentioned that, oh, the quality of the sound was wrong. If you leave it thinking that maybe uh, it's going to put your, your work, your standard down, for me, that's wrong. You are not learning. So being able to learn and develop, you must be able to be able to review. I use that word, be able to review your work, identify what's wrong. Okay. If you do that, okay, you're gonna be able to learn and develop. The last part is dealing with feedback. Okay, when you're dealing with feedback, um, I always do uh, one feedback in, from two people. Two, uh, I, I, I said two people, meaning maybe categories of people. Okay, one, if it's for radio or it's for uh, video, the people, the audience that's going to listen to my show, I want feedback from those people. Okay. Let them tell me what, did, what have they liked about my show and what did they not like it. And the methods you use also is important. What kind of methodology are you, have you put across so that people give you feedback? Is, this, is it a questionnaire? Okay. Or is it a focus group? You invite people and you, you, know, you ask a questions uh, uh, you know to the people who are there who have listened to your show and ask the questions and then you you write down your comments okay so the feedback from the people going to listen to your show going to watch your video or your film is very important another set of people the second set of people that i really really want feedback from is my client for example if I'm making a document, you know, a news package for the BBC, okay, I would like the BBC to give me feedback about it, okay, mm. and uh, um, you know, always I have uh, you have to take on board to be able to deal with negative feedback. Not not everything is going to be positive. Okay, you may think you've done this, you think is 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 right, but having an opinion from other people gives you sheds you some light on how um, uh, uh, how uh, you know you may uh, it gives you a different perspective of, of how other people are looking at your work. Okay, so it's a very very healthy thing. Getting negative feedback is very very healthy. Um, don't shut it down because you're thinking, oh, no, ah, I don't like that person. It's always giving me feed bad feedback because they um, don't shut those people down because of that, the feedback they're giving you. It's negative. Look at it. Put yourself in their shoes and think maybe they are right because they may be right what they are saying. So taking on board, on board both uh, especially the negative feedback from 
um, the people are giving you the uh, uh, you know comments or or feedback is very very healthy and say very good thing. That's why you're able to learn. I don't know if that answers your question, John. Joe, Joe well, I think I'm going to have to put this more as a as a um, as a media lesson than an actual podcast when <laughs> when I when I put this out because I think what you've given in this last like fifty odd minutes, you've actually given a lot of details for. For people to obviously not only take on board a media career, but it's also talking about some techniques, talking about some ways of working, ways to better yourself. And Joe, what with that, I'm going to ask a couple more things. And I, I recently had a little bit of feedback when I was first doing this. And one of the bits of feedback I got was when I'm doing the recording, record it under two channels so record the uh, voice work say for my side and for your side record them on two separate channels so if any editing needs to be done anything needs to be cut out and I said Joe what that's actually a really good idea and it's amazing when as as probably was quite audible I have some dogs in the house and every now and again they are pretty good but sometimes they could be noisy little gits and they really do it's like they want to be part of the show. They want to actually have their voices heard. But it's like, no, mm. your dogs, they're not going to understand you. And then I, I make myself look crazy by talking to the dogs like that. But I thought that was a good idea. So, yeah, I recorded both voice channels separately. So if I do need to clean anything up in the middle, if there is anything either side. So, because, you know, things do happen. The worst one is when, I don't know, say like if you're getting into the mo- the, the moment... I sometimes accidentally hit the microphone and that's uh, that's not exactly good when you're trying to make a point across and then all of a sudden you just hear this dung noise and uh, you know it's just certain little things like you say you're always learning all the time but I'm going to ask because I reckon that everyone has something that always sticks with them but I'm going to ask is there ever been a bit of feedback you've been given personally that that you then took on but still sticks with you today? Oh, yeah, plenty of times, really. I mean, um, uh, you know, um, when I, you know, going back my days working in radio, you know, Spectrum Radio and the BBC, especially Spectrum Radio, because, uh, um, you know, uh, the director of uh, um, the African Centre, because he was, you know, he, he, was, he, he was my client because he was paying me. Um, he wanted to, you know, you know, to know um, if we were really reach, reaching out to the African, African, uh, an African audience in the UK. And there are so many people listening to our program in the, the whole of the UK and even online around the whole world. OK, so he wanted to make sure the program is good. OK, mm-hmm. and uh, this is the guy uh, actually. Even when, as soon as we finish the program, uh, at a, you know, because the program ends at one o'clock, one p.m., and we go straight in the meeting, and he would phone up into, uh, he, he would call us in our meeting, uh, and say, "Oh, Karim, uh, what happened, man? You, you know, uh, you better stick to be a producer, a good uh, program producer, but not as a, pre- a presenter." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I said, he said, yeah, uh, sorry, uh, he, he's the most uh, 
Dr. Bing. He was a doc, Dr. Bing. That is his name. Uh, I said, sorry, Dr. Bing. Uh, I came across that way because uh, I'm not... Uh, well, as a producer, I'm trained as a presenter, but because my presenter didn't turn up, so I had no choice. I had to present it. He said, yeah, but uh, you see, next time, if the, uh, can you take this on board? I said, by all means, I'm going to take this on board. Okay. Um, oh, so, yeah. Um, um, you know, you know, the director would call in, and he would be straightforward, and they, not maliciously, but he was raising points because he wanted to contribute to the program to make sure the program sounds good, okay? And uh, that is constructive criticism, okay? Yeah. So yeah, um, these things happen. And when people give you feedback, take everything that they say, okay, on board. Don't just ignore it. Thinking, oh, I'm the producer. And these people, is, you know, you know, I'm being criticized. They don't know what they are doing. No, you take it on board. That's how you're able to learn and develop. I, I think I mentioned this at the beginning. Personal development is key. So if you take, you want to move forward and be a real, real professional, is being able to identify what's wrong. Don't shy away. Don't hide. Okay, people do this. And I think, oh my God, never, never hide. Those are errors. I be able to identify what has gone wrong, okay? If you're not identifying what's wrong, you'll never, never make it in the media world because you're going to be produced, you're going to be creating the same problems every day. And, you know, end of the day, you're going to let yourself down because people are going to shut you off. Um, you know, uh, you know, not everyone would uh, um, have got the time to comment on your program, okay? The people who are taking that trouble to comment about your show, comment about your program, men appreciate those people, okay? Because they're taking, they're taking their precious time hmm. to educate you, to talk about you. So take it on the board. I think every person who I've I've spoke to whenever it's been something on this podcast or anything that I've done ever before. I, I do say if someone says to me, oh, I've listened to your podcast or I've listened to your show, I'll just say, what did you think? And they go, oh, I like this, that and the other. And then I'd go, I'll go, is there anything you think I should do or anything you'd like to hear or you'd like to see? Because, you know, I always want to develop on what I'm doing. I always want to take back on any any feedback that may be that may be given to me and I'll never see it in a negative. I always go, right, okay, so that just gives me an idea now of how I should develop, how I should now change. And I'm I'm always happy to do that. I'm always happy to take on anything, even if it might seem minute and something that may, some people may just go, well, we ain't gonna do that. So well no, yeah, I will. I'll try it a different way or I will look at adapting it. But at the same time, I will try and still keep it comfortable for myself because as much as, you know, when someone gives you feedback and you go, yeah, I'm going to do it in this particular way, I still find that at the end of it, you've still got to make sure that you yourself are happy and comfortable going forward as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay, right. So, Karim, I know we have said an hour and we are reaching an hour. I'm going to ask one very last quick thing. And, you know, I've... 
I, and like I say, you know, I, I've well, this is about half a lifetime ago that we was in that college room, and you know, you were teaching me all this fundamental stuff about media, and you know, to this day, I do still look back on them classes for my own inspiration to help me, you know, with even with stuff like this podcast. So I, I'm going to ask because at, at the beginning I said. I find this as a way of talking about the things that I need to moan about, things that are hap- like I like to get off my chest. But we also try to find the good in the world as well. We always try to find something that brings us the positivity, something to look forward to. So, Karim, I'm going to ask very nice and straightforward, what brings you happiness? <laughs> what brings me happiness? That's a tough question here. Okay. Um, for me, actually, um, my work brings me happiness. Uh, my girlfriend brings me happiness. Okay. I enjoy my work and that my work is teaching media because that's what I do. I love teaching media. I enjoy it. And so going to carry on for a long, long time. It makes me happy all the time. Uh, and I enjoy doing it, John Joe. Yeah. Um, I don't know if, if I've answered your question, but yes. Okay. Um, and also good, uh, good friends. Okay. So enjoying my work, teaching what I love to do, and that's teaching media, good friends, and my girlfriend. Okay. Those are the three areas, I think, the three factors that make me happy and okay with a very final note with you know with hopefully things getting back to normal in 2021 we're hopefully gonna start having things to look forward to and you know this is basically a nice little plug for you Karim I want you to tell me if anyone wants to find out more about you in the future if they want to look up your projects tell them what they can look forward to Absolutely, absolutely. Um, they, sh- they should be looking out to... Um, uh, my production company is called Funga Safari Productions. And let me educate some people what Funga, Funga Safari means. You know, the word safari, Jonjo, is actually... Because originally I come from East Africa and we speak Swahili, okay? Yeah. Safari is a Swahili word meaning journey. When the British came... Uh, to colonize East Africa. They uh, found people there speaking Swahili. And uh, the word safari means a journey. So the English people adopted the word safari. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Not so many people actually know that it's, safari is a Swahili word. For, so in, in, in East Africa, in Swahili, we say, when we are going on a journey, we say funga safari. Funga Safari, Funga stands for uh, let's go on a journey. So Funga Safari means let's go on a journey. Okay. So I thought uh, if I uh, create my production company, I give, I give that company that name. So they should be, uh, the people who are listening to this podcast. Okay. Uh, let them look forward to Funga Safari Productions. Okay. Um, producing content. Uh, it, it's not for radio because I'm moving 
forward with a lot, most of my work is going to be uh, television based. So um, my stuff, I look forward, it will be seen on uh, BBC World. It may be seen on CNN, also be seen on Al Jazeera. So three channels and channel four as well. Uh, that's my, um, uh, that's the uh, platforms that I'm looking for to broadcast my material. Uh, and of course, um, uh, a website might uh, come up soon, but at the moment I'm using my Facebook um uh, you know my first my first book pages to talk about things that i do so at the moment i'm on facebook but my website is uh, is going to pop up fungus safari production and uh, the um as soon as my work uh goes for broadcast it's going to go on bbc world cnn al jazeera and channel 4 so we'll be f able to find you pretty much all around the world. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. And uh, uh, yeah, that's that's my uh, my intentions, and that's my um, where I'm hoping my stuff is gonna be broadcast. Uh, uh, it's taken me it's taken me a long time uh, to uh, broadcast stuff on this. It requires apps, broadcast cameras. Uh, it, it, you know, it's it's not a, a cheap, um, um, a, pro, a cheap production. Uh, the quality, the standards has to be uh, absolutely broadcast um, quality. Uh, so it's a, it's something that I've been working on for the last ten years, actually. <laughs> yeah, and uh, hopefully, if it wasn't COVID. I'm sure uh, my stuff would be on, uh, would be have broadcasted by now, but uh, uh, thankfully, we hope uh, with COVID being eased uh, that uh, um, next summer, that's next year, uh, because next year that's when I plan to go ahead. I don't think I'm going to be able to go to this year, this summer. Um, it's we've been advised. Uh, not to book, uh, the government has advised us not to book any holidays this summer. So I thought maybe I'm going to skip it and uh, possibly um, go, go uh, December this year, I'm going to do a reconnaissance, I call it a, a, a reconnaissance trip, go to Africa uh, and see, and then come back and then go and do my production next summer uh, and possibly after that uh, you know uh, it will be broadcast but at the moment uh, the interviews that I'm going to start interviewing uh, this might go on my website uh, at some point um, just before um, I think just before August this year so, uh, you know, the uh, interviews with Professor Tim Crook of the Chartered Institute of Journalists. Um, and uh, um, also um, planning to interview uh, a scientist, uh, that's Dr. Tom, uh, is going to explain how, um, he's, he's, he's a journalist, but at the same time a scientist, 
uh, is going to give me an insight um, about the media. He thinks he thinks that the media we failed to educate the people about COVID. That's his take. He thinks that um, we we failed as journalists to educate the people about COVID. So I thought. Hmm, that's something really good uh, to make a program about. So I have those two interviews lined up. And those, as soon as my website is uh, off and kicking, um, those are the videos that I'm going to post on my website. And of course, they're going to be a link to, um, to my Facebook page. Okay, Karim, that is fantastic stuff and i'll tell you what once i know obviously you still got to get the um, website and everything set up but once we have the website i will obviously attach it to this recording as well so you know I, and yeah there's some very interesting stuff there and i would definitely like to hear them interviews as well once you've got them up and running absolutely absolutely i've got even the dates already um for these interviews so um um the interview is going to go forward and i look forward to um listening to your podcast. If you're sending me the details, I'll be happy to listen to your podcasts. I'll be one of your favorite, your regular listeners, John. I tell you what, <laughs> you're going to be shocked when you hear the rest of the content. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's not yeah. shy. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. And uh, I tell you what, one thing, um, if I were you, uh, I, I, I would uh, move forward and explore um, not just audio, but have your podcast with audio, with your video as well. Make it more interesting. Go for it. Try anything. Yeah. See what happens. I have yeah. Been, yeah, I have been thinking about going into the video spectrum. Yeah, yeah, so, go. Yeah. Go go for it. Uh, you know, to make it much more interesting. And, uh, um, um, you know, uh, I think uh, I've watched some, some podcasts that have, uh, you know, with video on. It's really, really brilliant. It's really good. Absolutely. You can follow John Joe on Twitter at John Joe Cosgrove or on the All Things Suck Facebook page. Wait a minute. All Things Suck. Are you trying to say I suck, John Joe? I've never been so insulted in my life. <laughs>